love. We all want it in our lives. We are called by God to love others, to love our husbands and our children, and to love God. But what does that really look like in our lives? What does the Bible say that the meaning of love is? We're going to take a look at this today, at God's love, what we are without love in our hearts, what it looks like in our daily lives, and how the Holy Spirit will help us to love others the way that God loves us. Let's get started. Welcome to the Faith Lived Out podcast. Are you wanting a loving Christian marriage but are unsure what that looks like or how to get it? Do you have fears about becoming a submissive wife, afraid that you'll lose your identity or become a doormat? Do you have thoughts that maybe you're doing this whole wife and marriage thing all wrong and you want to know how to do it right, to stop worrying all the time, and to learn how to truly put your faith and trust in the Lord? Hey girl, I'm Nancy Adamson, wife, mom, and Grammy to seven sweet babies, Christian mentor, Bible teacher, speaker, and women's ministry leader. I see you and I get you because I've been there, and I'm here to share with you what God has taught me on how to have a loving biblical marriage and what the true meaning of being a submissive wife really looks like. We'll also chat about how to find wisdom and truth for life's challenging questions in His Word, how to apply God's truth to our lives, and to put the cares and concerns that are on your heart safely in the Father's hands. So if you're ready to learn how to live out your faith every day and follow the amazing plan that God has for your marriage, grab your coffee, pull up a chair next to mine, and let's get started. Many of us did not grow up with a proper depiction of love, with an example of love that is long-suffering, kind, or does not seek its own, one that bears all things, believes all things, or endures all things. Instead, we were brought up with a worldview of love, a love where if you show me that you love me, well, then I will love you back, or I'll love you, but I have to love myself first. As a believer, we learn God's meaning of love, what His description of love is, and how to live that out in our lives. As I've told you before, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. However, my mom has shown amazing, unconditional love for her children. Not so much so with other people in her life, but definitely with her kids. No matter what we have done, either as kids or adults, and there have been some pretty hurtful things in the past. My mother has always forgiven us and loved us. She's been mad at us at times for sure, and she has shown us tough love in teaching us. And maybe there were times that she didn't like us very much. I'm sure that there was because we had wronged her, but she never stopped loving us. My dad, however, is a completely different story. He is narcissistic, and therefore he doesn't know how to show love and doesn't really love others. His thoughts or affections toward others are very conditional and entirely based on what his expectations of you are. And if you don't live up to those expectations, well, then you don't deserve his love. He has done this even to the point that at one time during our adult lives, my father 
disowned all of his children because we did not live up to his expectations. I mean, like he literally called us on the phone and told us that when other people ask me if I have kids, I tell them I don't have any because you're all a disappointment to me. It is so sad. <laughs> um, but because of this, I have always been all the more grateful for my mom's example of love and have sought to love others the way that she has shown me love. And as good as her example may be, the ultimate example that we have of true love only comes from God and His love for us. In 1 John 4.19, we read, We love Him because He first loved us. We could never earn God's love. There's nothing that we could ever do good enough that we would earn God's love. But God loves us anyway. He loved us when we were still wretched sinners rebelling against his ways. In Revelation 1.5, we read, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins, when in his own blood. God himself is love. He showed us that love when he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And think about that for a minute. Think about your own child or somebody that you love dearly and how that would be to send them to go through that kind of pain and agony and torture the way that Jesus did for us. And God sent his son and Jesus went willingly because of their love for us. In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We did nothing to earn Christ's love. As a matter of fact, it is more of the opposite. As good as we may think that we are, we do more in our sinful nature to give God reasons not to love us than we could ever do to give him reasons to love us. Thankfully, it is not based on our merit. Like I know that if it was based on my merit, if God loved me or not, I would be in some serious trouble. In John 15, 13, we read, Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. And he calls us friends in scripture. And then not only did he lay down his life for us, but then he tells us to abide in his love. And it tells us this in John 15, 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Abiding in his love is to follow him and to be under his care and protection because of his great love for us. And he tells us to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. Ephesians 2, 4 tells us, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us. Mercy is not receiving the punishment that we deserve because Jesus and his love for us. We have mercy from him that is new every morning and he never runs out of it. Gone are the things that we did yesterday that we messed up and that we missed the mark. Today is a new day. And then in 2 Thessalonians 2.16, we read, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. God our Father loves us and has given us an everlasting consolation, meaning an everlasting comfort that no matter what is happening in our lives, no matter what our struggle may be that we're facing right now, 
We can go to the Lord for his love, for his comfort to see us through. And that we have hope because of his grace. Grace is receiving the things that we don't deserve. The blessings in our lives that the Lord gives us because he loves us, not because we have earned them in any way. He gives them to us because of his great love for us. Like a father gives good gifts to his children. We can have a hope in our future that is not based on our actions, not based on whether we're good enough or not but based solely on Christ's love for us. Are you feeling it, ladies? Are you feeling the wonderful love that your Heavenly Father has for you? I hope so. Here's another amazing truth about God's love. It is that nothing can separate us from it. Thankfully, my Heavenly Father is not anything like my earthly father. He will never disown me, and He will never say, that I am not his child. In Romans 8, 38 through 39, we read, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Absolutely nothing, ladies, can separate you from the love of God. No matter how we have messed up, no matter how many times we have messed up, no matter what kind of tragedy or situation that we find ourselves in right now, no matter what somebody else may try to do to us, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, no matter how long or how far you have walked away from the Lord, He is still there. He does not separate himself from us, and he wants you to come back to him. He wants to welcome you with open arms. So then what are we without love? If we don't have the love of God in our lives, well, 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3 tells us, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become sounding brass or a claiming cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So to speak with tongues of men and of angels, this is kind words and flattery to others, but with an empty heart. When we say nice things to people, not because that's how we truly feel about them, but because we want them to like us. We're more concerned about what other people think about us rather than truly having Christ's love and showing that love. And then to have all knowledge, and though I have all faith, this is a head knowledge of God's word, but not to have his word in our hearts. The enemy, Satan, has this. Satan knows God's word. First word to the last word, Satan knows it all. He used it. He tried to use it against Jesus and quoting scripture to him and kind of twisting it a little bit, of course. But this is what he does because he knows God's word. But he doesn't follow God. He doesn't have God's love in his heart. So it is not a matter of just knowing the word, but it is a matter of having that relationship with Christ, and having the love of God in us. And then to bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned. 
This is giving of yourself and your and your possessions, even sacrificially maybe, but for your own glory and not for the glory of God. When we are doing it for the praises of men and not so that they can glorify God in what they're receiving. So if we do all of these wonderful acts, if we learn God's word and we have faith and even teach it to others, if we are sacrificially giving and helping other people, if we speak kind words to them and encourage them and lift them up, however, we do it all for the wrong motive. If we do it because we want people to look at us and to praise us and to think that we're a nice person, then we have not love. We are a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. We are nothing and it profits us nothing. So take some time, ladies. Think about the things that you do for others, what you do for your husband, for your children, for other family members and people who are around you. What is your motivation behind it? And maybe even in ministry, what is your motivation behind it? Is it so that people can see you and see what you're doing and think that you're a nice person or a good Christian? Or is it that they can see God and his love for them? So then what is the meaning of love in the Bible? In 2 John 1, 6, we read, this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Love in the Bible means following God's word. It means living out our faith in our lives by not loving as the world loves, but by learning God's definition of love and following his command to love others the way that Christ loves us. We find God's description of love in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 7, and it says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You have probably read these words before. You may have even memorized these words, but do we really know what they mean? And do we live them out in our lives? Are we living them out every day? So it says that love suffers long and is kind. Long suffering is to have patience with others, to not have a quick temper or to get angry easily, or to write someone off because they have wronged you or hurt you in some way. In Colossians 3.12, we read, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering. We are to be merciful, showing kindness, being humble and meek and long-suffering with others, even with those who have hurt us. We are not to love others because they love us, but we are to love others because God loves us, and we are showing them His love. It means forgiving others, sometimes over and over and over again, the way that Jesus forgives us, not holding on to the hurt and the pain but letting it go. Love does not envy. It is not comparing and becoming envious of others, brooding or angry with others because they're doing well or receiving a blessing when we're struggling, thinking that we deserve it more than they do. So why did they get it and we didn't? But it rejoices with those who rejoice and it weeps with those who weep. Not making sure that we always have our fair share or, hey, wait a minute, They got something. Where's mine? What am I going to get? 
And then next, love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up, meaning that we are not to be boastful in our accomplishments or how we have been blessed. Sharing with others about what we have achieved or what our material possessions are, what we have acquired for the purpose of receiving their praises or making them envious of us. This would be wanting to make ourselves look better than someone else in some way. And this is often portrayed in when we're talking to someone and having a conversation with them. And as they're speaking to you, you're always thinking about, oh, what what can I say next that's about me? And how can I talk about me? I've talked to you about that before in my own life and how God has changed this in my own heart. Love does not behave rudely. To not be rude or uncaring to those around us just because we can. You know, we're generally worse around those people that we are closest to. Like in the public eye, when we're out in the world, we're always kind and considerate and polite. But when we're at home, we let our guard down and we can get upset. And sometimes it is, watch out. (laughs) This is because we know that they're going to love us anyway, no matter how, not necessarily no matter how we treat them, but pretty much no matter how we treat them or if we're upset or angry, and sometimes we'll take it out on them. Other words for being rude would be to be abrupt, sharp, tactless, impolite, curt, disrespectful, insulting, and insensitive. We can be this way, ladies. You know, we can have a bad day. We can have things that happen and we can be this way to other people. And have you been this way to someone recently? Because we all do it from time to time. But when we do it, we need to ask for forgiveness Not just make excuses for our behavior because we've had a bad day, but to ask for forgiveness and to work on changing it. And then love does not seek its own. Seeking our own is when we want our own way. When we think that we're right, we know what's best, and we want to make sure that things are done the way we think that they should be. Or in seeing that what is done works out best for us, not necessarily always caring about what someone else might, what may happen to someone else, how it may affect them, but always looking out for us and making sure that it's what's best for us. The world tells us that it's all about me and I need to look out for myself because nobody else is going to. And if I want to get ahead in this world, if I want to make this life what it is that I want it to be, then I need to be number one and I need to put myself first because nobody else is going to, or that I need to love myself first before I can love others. But in Romans 12.10, we read, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. We are to put others before ourselves, what they want to do, what is best for them. There are so many things in this life that when it really comes down to it, it doesn't matter anyway. Like, you know, we, we have this hill that we want to die on, that we have to have this thing and we have to have it our way. But really like in a couple of days or next week or next month, we're not going to look back at that and go, oh, my life is perfect because I had my way and I got it my way. Or this thing happened because I put my foot down and I got it my way. Most of the time, that is not the case, ladies. We're going to look back at that and not even remember why it was that we had to have our own way. So let it go. Don't worry about having your own way, particularly with your husband and in your family. Let him have his own way because honestly, it probably isn't going to make a difference down the road anyway. 
as believers, we can put others before ourselves and to not worry about it and not say, hey, what about me? Because we know that God does that. God takes care of us as we follow his perfect plan for our lives. As we follow his will and his ways, then he takes care of our needs. And we don't have to worry about putting ourselves first because he does. Love is not provoked, meaning that it is not irritable or resentful. If we are having these feelings towards someone, then we're not loving them. Often this goes back to not seeking our own because generally we have these feelings if we didn't get our own way or if things didn't turn out the way that we think they should have. We can also have these feelings when we are harboring unforgiveness in our hearts. Ladies, unforgiveness leads to bitterness in our lives and something that should be avoided at all cost. Love thinks no evil. That we would have no evil intentions and that we would not wish evil on anyone else. It is not vengeful. When we are wronged or sinned against or somebody has hurt us in some way, we are not to seek out revenge or how to get back at them. It does not assume that others' intentions towards us are evil intentions and that they were trying to hurt us in some way. And we have a tendency to assume people's motives. You know, when we say things like, oh, I know why they did that. They did that to get back to me, or they did that because they're jealous of me. We are not to do that. As a matter of fact, my husband has this quote, and it says, do not attribute to malice what can be accomplished through ignorance. Ladies, sometimes people just do stupid stuff and they hurt us because they're not thinking, not because they have an evil intention against us. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Love does not rejoice in the pain of others and thinking, well, they deserved it. That, you know, the kind of that I told you so attitude or having little or no compassion for someone when they mess up and they are paying the consequences for it. Not that we need to help, you know, help them avoid the consequences for their actions or to take the punishment for them. Sometimes God does spank us and we need it so that we can learn but we are to be caring and compassionate, even if they have brought the problems on themselves, because we all do it, ladies, from time to time. Love rejoices in truth, to always be truthful and honest with others, not having any secrets or hiding things behind someone's back. No little white lies or sharing information with friends and then telling them, oh, but I'm not supposed to say anything, so don't tell anyone, okay? The enemy will try to convince us that we must lie or that, oh, it's just a little white lie, so it's no big deal. It's not going to hurt anyone. Or, you know, we need to lie just a little bit so that we don't get into trouble and we don't face the consequences. Or that little lie in cheating the system in some way. And no worries because nobody's ever going to find out. This simply isn't true. And yes, you may fool someone else and they may not ever find out that you lied or that you cheated in some way, but God knows. And you sinned against God in this. In all things, ladies, be honest, be trustworthy. Love bears all things. This is to be willing to do whatever it takes, without sinning, of course, to be there for others when needed. Ephesians 4.2 says, with all loneliness and gentleness, with long, long suffering, bearing with one another in love. We are called to bear with one another in love, to bear one another's burdens, to support and encourage others, 
in whatever way that we can and whatever it is that they're going through to comfort them, to share truth with them, maybe meet a physical need or just by lovingly putting up with someone who is difficult to get along with or who is just different than you are. Love believes all things. Believe in God, believe in his truth of his word and believing in others. In Mark 9.23, we read, Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So show love to others by encouraging them with the truth of God's word and his faithfulness in that all things are possible to him who believes. Not being negative and telling them to give up, but to press on towards the goal that God has for them. And love hopes all things, having hope in others and hope in our future. As believers, we can have hope because we serve a mighty God who is sovereign, who is literally in control of everything. You may be struggling right now. You may be grieving or hurting in some way. Finances may be tight and you're concerned about your future, but have hope that it will not always be this way, that God has a plan and a purpose for this, and that better days are ahead. I know that some of you have put your hope into someone else in the past, and you have been disappointed. But Romans 5, 5 assures us, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. When our hope is in Christ and his perfect will for our lives, then we are never disappointed because the love of God has been poured into us by the Holy Spirit. God is faithful and he will see us through. And then the last one is that love endures all things. It perseveres. Ladies, life isn't easy. Our Christian walk isn't easy, but with God, we can persevere. As a matter of fact, we can not only persevere, but we can have the blessed, fruitful life that God designed for us to have. This doesn't happen overnight. It takes time in learning God's ways and how to apply his word to our lives and entrusting him as we become more like Christ. This, all of this, is God's description of love. And we have a choice. We have a choice to continue in our sinful, selfish ways or to choose to love others the way God describes in his word, the way that Christ loves us. As believers, we are to choose love in all situations. It is easy to love those people who love us, but scripture tells us that we are also to love our enemies. We are to love those who hate us, those who persecute us, and those who just make life difficult for us. We read this in Luke 6, verses 32, and then 35 through 36, where it says, But if you love others who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. So that person at work or at church that just rubs you the wrong way and that you have a difficult time getting along with, or maybe that family member who is always putting you down or you never seem to be able to live up to their expectations, or your husband when he's acting like a jerk and is hurting you in some way. In all of these situations, we are still called to choose love 
and to show Christ's love for others, even when we don't feel like it. To be long-suffering, to be bearing with one another, not seeking our own, but putting others before ourselves, believing all things, hoping all things, and yes, enduring all things. And then, what is our promise from the Lord when we do this? It is that our reward will be great, and you will be sons and daughters of the Most High. Think about this too, that maybe that person who is unlovable or doesn't show love well doesn't have Christ in their life, or maybe they haven't learned what God's description of love is. Maybe they don't fully understand how to love others the way that Christ loves them. That what you're learning today, maybe they haven't learned it yet. And then it tells us, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your father also is merciful. This is what Christ does for us, and it is what we need to do for others. 1 John 3.18 tells us how to live this out in our lives. It says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So it isn't showing love just by saying something, you know, by saying a kind word or maybe by not being mean to them, by, by staying away from them. It's like, I don't care for them, so I'm going to show them love by just not being around them. That's not showing love in deed and in truth. What we need to be doing is actually doing things for this person by coming alongside of them and helping them in some way, by meeting a need that they have, by praying for them, and by sharing God's word and his truth with them. This is what the meaning of love is. In Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, Jesus tells us, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This isn't easy to do. It is not easy to push past our sinful ways and our selfish desires to love our neighbors as ourselves or to put them before ourselves. So thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit to help us to do this. In John 16, 13, we read, However, when He, the Holy Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you in all truth, for He will not speak in His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you the things to come. So the Holy Spirit does guide us in all truth, and He will guide you in what it is that you need to do to show love to this person that you're having a hard time with, or to show love to your husband when you don't feel like it. Seek the Holy Spirit in prayer. Ask him to guide you and to help you and to change your heart towards this person or towards your husband. Pray for God to show you this person through his eyes and how he sees them. This can open up just this whole nother world of how we look at that person when we see them through the Lord's eyes and that we see his mercy and his forgiveness for them, or maybe what they have been through in the past, and we gain compassion for them. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to transform your mind from the worldly ways of love to what God's meaning of love is. Romans 12.2 tells us, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Loving others the way that Christ loves us is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
I encourage you in this today, ladies, to seek out ways that you can show Christ's love to others, to have that love in your heart for other people. And I know sometimes that it's difficult, but as I said, the Holy Spirit can help us to do this. I have one last verse for you, and it's from 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I love you, ladies. Have a blessed day. Thank you so much for listening today. I pray that God has used this episode to bless and inspire you to live out your faith in Him. If it has, please do me a huge favor by leaving a review on Apple Podcast. This is the only way that I know if you like the show and you will be helping others to find this podcast and be lifted up by the Word of God. Is there someone who came to mind while you were listening today and you said, ooh, she needs to hear this? Well, then send her the link so she can be encouraged too. Are you in the Dallas area and looking for a fresh new speaker to add excitement to your next luncheon, women's retreat, or other women's event? Then drop me a note at nancy at faithlivedout.com and let's chat about it. That's nancy, N-A-N-C-I, at faithlivedout.com. I would love to come and meet with you and the ladies in your group. You're also welcome to visit the website at faithlivedout.com for more information, blog posts, journaling ideas, and free printables. Or become a part of our little community of believers by joining the Faith Lived Out community group on Facebook, where you can join together with other faith-led wives and moms just like you. Links to these areas and the scripture references used in today's episode are in the show notes. Ladies, thank you again for listening today and know that I am praying for God to be with you as you learn to trust in Him more and to live out your faith every day. God bless you and see you on the next episode.